Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. All right, hello, this is Michael Maneri and I wanna welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today our guest is Worth Hewton from Quantum Health. Worth, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Michael. Thanks. It's great to be here. Awesome. So, Worth, the the game plan here is, uh, you know, really to, or, or rather, what we seek to do here on the show is is educate our audience on non traditional methods to lower their healthcare costs and improve value for their employees. So, uh, we're we're hoping that uh, you know we'll be able to deliver some of that through our conversation. Make sense? I think we have lots of non traditional ways to lower costs. This is going to be a great conversation. Great. So. To get us started, I'm going to read a, a brief bio about you and Quantum, so our audience has some some context about who they're listening to. So, Worth Hutton is a 25-year veteran of the employee benefits industry and vice president of sales for Quantum Health. His broad range of experience includes sales at insurance companies like Great West Life and Cigna, consulting with an insurance services division of IBM, and nearly 10 years on the cutting edge of online benefits enrollment and ACA compliance technology. Quantum Health is a care coordination and navigation company that guides consumers through the healthcare journey. And customers report higher benefits engagement, better clinical outcomes, and ultimately, lower claims costs. All right. Is that about to uh, summarize you? Yeah, there's, there's a few more things to it, but uh, absolutely. Let's start with there. <laughs> All right. So, we're, you know, aside from that intro, just give us a little bit of background about you know, you, you've obviously been in the industry a long time. So how did you get into the healthcare industry to start with? I got it. I think I got into it the same way everyone else does, which is purely by accident. I don't think any of us went to college and said, oh, I want to be in the insurance industry. And, um, and in fact, when I graduated from USC way back in 1990, I had long hair and a motorcycle and uh, was going to be an advertising copywriter. And uh, 20 some odd years later, here we are. So uh, just goes to show you that you don't always do what you made sure did. That's an accurate statement. Um, I don't know if many people know this about me, but I was a Spanish literature major. And uh, being an insurance broker really has nothing to do with that. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, uh, I was really lucky. My mom worked for John Burnham Insurance in, uh, in Irvine, and she was the office manager. And she was good friends with, uh, with John Nicoli and Stormy Waldeck, who are both still running around in our industry. And uh, they, they were the ones who actually introduced me to the business. So a lot of times it isn't what you know, it's who you know. A true statement, for sure. So, you know, as, as you're aware, you know, we, we have a healthcare system that um, is, is absolutely broken. You know, it, it consumes more and more of our disposable income, um, effectively making us poorer as a society as it eats up money that really could be better spent, you know, elsewhere in the economy. So tell me in your words, you know, what do you think is wrong with our healthcare system? And, uh, and why do you think costs continue to increase like this? So there's a couple of things. If you put yourself in the in the mindset of today's healthcare consumer, um, they are spending more out of their paychecks just to have benefits. They are spending more out of their pockets to use their benefits. And the system itself has become incredibly complex to navigate. So you put all of those things together and uh, you're ripe for a really, really challenging experience for um, for any consumer. And then you kind of add the the fact that when you are on an, an especially an unplanned healthcare journey, um, you are in not in not at your best. You're not thinking clearly. Um, we find that people tend to kind of regress back to that, you know, that primal state of fight or flight. 
And as soon as the doctor gives you a scary diagnosis, it becomes very, very difficult to maintain your cognitive thinking abilities and your ability to ask all the challenging questions that you would normally be asking. And so people are in a really vulnerable state as they go through that journey and you add the complexity of the system um, along with, you know, the, the ever spiraling health costs. And uh, it's obvious that it's a very, very difficult place for people to be. Yeah, I think I think complexity is uh, is one of those things that oftentimes gets overlooked. I have I have a slide that I've shown to uh, to audiences in the past about you know five components in healthcare that drive complexity with with a number of examples. But I mean the terminology that we use, the the fragmented system, the the various you know types of products and networks and the names for them, the types of payment methods. And then the actual insurance component. I mean, to expect a person who's not an expert in healthcare to successfully navigate this system is ridiculous. It is. And there's actually another factor that that people are only just beginning to talk about. And that's this incredible institutional distrust that the American people have today of, of really all major institutions. Gallup did a survey last fall um, that said that institutional distrust with the healthcare system, big business, and our government was literally at an all-time high, the highest point it's been in about the last 25 years. And when you begin factoring in how distrustful people are of the system, System, it's really easy to see how that the, they get lost and they're not engaging when and how they should be. So a great example of that is, is someone who's on a disease management with the carrier. And like when I was at Cigna, we had a great uh, high-risk maternity program. We had a really strong diabetes program, but it was very difficult to get people to engage because they're innately very distrustful of this big entity that's calling them to, you know, ostensibly guide them through their journey, but they really feel that that entity is there to derail them or to tell them that they can't do what they've done or that they're doing it wrong. So a lot of times people don't reach out for the help they need and they're very distrustful of allowing anyone else to help them. So that just compounds an already really challenging situation. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the things I want to get into today is, you know, the whole notion of, of how to engage the consumer. But I think that's a good bridge to for us to start talking about quantum health. So can you tell us, you know, who is quantum health? You know, what is the product and service and, and what problem are you guys trying to solve? Sure. So quantum health is um, is at heart a care coordination company. You will also hear us referred to as a concierge medical company, um, a consumer advocate or a care navigation type of company. Regardless of, of where you where you put us in what box, um, at the end of the day, our sole mission is really to guide the consumer through the unchosen healthcare journey. Um, and to bring a more holistic approach to connect the providers and the members and uh, and the delivery system. And it tends to lead to a much higher level of engagement uh, with much, much better outcomes and ultimately lower claims costs, simply because we are in a high-touch guided environment guiding the member through the system. Got it. So you guys are a care coordination company. And, you know, from from my you know, understanding about what you guys do, you know, you really, um, you're really plugged into a, a self-funded model. So, you know, for, for our listeners, if they can envision, you know, a, a third party administrator and a, and a PBM, um, you guys are infused into that model. So can you tell us how the structure is different? Um, or, or maybe start with the intake model. You know, how is that different from a traditional insured carrier or a self-funded arrangement with the TPA and PBM? Because I think that's unique. 
Yeah, there are a couple of things that make us really unique. And and forgive me, I didn't answer the second part of your question is, what are the problems we're solving? Um, although I kind of did. But at the end of the day, the problems that we specifically solve are low benefits engagement, low clinical engagement, and you know, rising claims costs. Those are the, kind of the three big reasons that people come to us. And the model was really designed to support that mission. So if we look at, um, I'll give you a little bit of history on on where care coordination came from. You know, back in the day, the carriers were providing member services, they provided a network, they provided uh, claims paying, and they provided all the clinical services. And along the way, consumers were a little bit dissatisfied with um, the more transaction-based care that they were getting. And so companies like um, Health Advocate came into being uh, way back in the 2001 as mm-hmm. an answer to help guide people through the system. And those did a really good job. And as the model evolved, um, you, you started seeing some of these hybrid carriers like an Accolade or a Collective Health. They were coming along and they were taking that navigation and that, that guidance, but they were also adding a heavy data element to it. Um, so they had a lot more insight into what was going on with with claims and uh, the actual usage patterns, and they were also putting themselves at the front of the process, where you know they were they became the place that a member would call um, when they needed something, rather than having the member have to remember that it was there later on in the process. So they kind of started moving up to the front of the process and. Um, and then becoming a lot more data centric. And then quantum actually started way back in 1999, but the quantum model kind of expands on that. And it actually is, it becomes the front end of the process. Um, Quantum's the one phone number on the ID card. And um, we actually handle all of the traditional member services and, you know, benefits questions and claims questions and that sort of thing. But the thing that makes Quantum really, really different, and this is why we can move the needle in all the areas that we've talked about, the thing that makes us different is that Quantum actually um, is also the first point of contact for the providers as well. And that's really, really different. So um, when a provider would typically call a carrier for, you know, verify that Worth Houghton was actually eligible for benefits and to find out what Worth's benefits are or to do a pre-authorization on something for Worth Houghton, um, the carrier or the, uh, the provider now calls Quantum Health. And this opens up some incredible opportunities for us because even if a provider is just calling to verify eligibility for Worth Houghton, it's a great opportunity for us to ask a few a few additional questions to find out why Worth Houghton is seeing that provider. And if it turns out that you know the provider is a specialist and maybe an oncologist, you know we know immediately that there's probably an opportunity to do a proactive reach out to the member and let them know, hey, we're working with your provider. And we're here to Mm -hmm. guide you through what's probably going to be kind of a long and arduous journey. And so because we're in early in the process and we're working with both the doctors and the members, we have a much more holistic approach to everything. And it allows us to get in um, at the beginning of the journey rather than, you know, months later when, you know, a member may be very distrustful of why all of a sudden someone's calling them at dinnertime to talk about their disease management program. And so we see that all the time, but because we're in early and we're working closely with the providers, um, it's very easy to build trust with the members so they will let us help guide them through the journey. So that's the real big difference in the model is we're on the front end, we work Mm -hmm. with the providers, 
Um, and we are the ones doing both member services as well as all the clinical engagement, like the pre-authorization, um, the utilization review, disease management, care management, and that sort of thing. And because of that, we have a very holistic single point of contact uh, view and, and the ability to really guide people from very early in the process. Yeah. So the, the one thing that sticks out to me there is just the word that comes to mind is speed, right? Because if if in a traditional disease management program, you know, oftentimes they're they're looking at claims data, which is probably going to have a lag of a couple months. Um, and even when they're looking at claims data, they're not looking for, you know, all members that may have a condition. Oftentimes it's maybe, you know, members that have, uh, you know, acute episodes or, you know, have been, you know, gone to the ER or had an inpatient admission. And that's the trigger for somebody to reach out. Well, at that point, it's it's really late in the game. And so um, the fact that you guys are able to, you know, get that information on the front end, um, you know, I would, I would imagine it would have some significant benefits. It does. Um, we actually have a term for it. In fact, it, it's a it's a thing, as everybody likes to say these days. Um, so we have a term called real-time intercept that describes our ability to catch people very, very early in the process. If a member calls in and is asking for a provider referral, what a great opportunity for, for us to ask them, you know, why they're looking for a specific type of specialist and can we help guide them through it. If a member needs an MRI, what a great opportunity for us to refer them to an in-network imaging facility rather than, you know, the traditional doctor referral to the local hospital. And that's, a, you know, as you know, that in itself is a factor of 10 on, um, on the cost difference. It's also a great opportunity for us to get really involved when the, the providers are calling in. So that real-time intercept concept is, um, is very, very critical to what we do. And it's funny because it actually evolved um, out of some work that our CEO and founder was doing way back when, when she was doing consumer intercept strategies for companies like Ford and Citibank and Coke. Those are all companies that have very strong brand recognition. They know how to engage with their customer. Um, they've built very, very close relationships with their customer. And when she was working on a project for a hospital chain, she started to see some, some similarities and some opportunities because when she was studying the hospital systems, what she found was that there was no real clear path through the system and there was no one guiding the member through it. So she started to see some opportunities of, gosh, maybe there's an opportunity to kind of, as you say, kind of make an overhaul on the um, on the healthcare system. And we actually did a two-year study um, before we ever took the company live. And uh, what we found is that the journey for the average healthcare consumer starts long before they actually go to the doctor's office which is very interesting because when we first started the company, we were thinking, hey, maybe we should reside in the doctor's offices. But the study that we did, um, I think we had 300 providers and about 2,500 members, actually showed us the journey started much, much earlier. And so the whole model is really built on getting as engaged as early as possible. And you're right, the real-time intercept gives you a, as, you know, as much of a three to four month head start over the traditional predictive analytics that are based on, you know, a claim that, that was incurred three months ago and is now getting paid. Sure. And so, I mean, can you give me an example of, you know, if the journey starts before they get to the doctor's office, what's a, what's just a tangible example of that? So it can be something really simple. Um, and I'll use actually my, uh, I'll use my own example. So about four or five years ago, my mom got really sick and, 
Um, it started with some double vision and then it went to some numbness in her hands and then it went to, hey, can you take me to the doctor? I can't walk. And um, and the doctors really couldn't, you know, before we even went to the doctor, we started Googling, you know, we called Dr. Google and we were asking about <laughs> double vision, numbness in the hands. Right. And by the time we even got to the doctor, we had fully diagnosed her conditions and were already like down a path. Long before we actually got to the doctor. Now, interestingly enough, Dr. Google was not entirely correct on a lot of these things, nor were the doctors that we were seeing. Um, so we started that journey long before. And, um, you know, we were self-referring to specialists, which is never a good idea. And we were, you know, letting Dr. Google do our diagnostics for us. And so long before we actually even got to the right specialist, we had been to see several of the wrong specialists. Um, mm -hmm. we had, we'd had duplicate tests done, you know, all of these things that really, really drive up costs in, especially in a self-funded healthcare plan. So, you know, that's, that's our own example. Unfortunately, she's doing really well now, but we had a couple of really rough years, um, where we got stuck in the system and we, we started getting stuck long before we actually got to a doctor's office. So that's one example. Um, you know, another one is the person who has a lump and, Cousin Fred had a lump and they went to this specialist over here. So they're going to self-refer over there. Long before they ever went to the specialist, though, they had to get their ID card. They had to see what their benefits were. They were calling Dr. Google. So all of this stuff starts much, much earlier than we ever imagined it would. Got it. And so when when you guys see the opportunity with uh, an individual um, and you are able to identify that there's a need to see a specialist um, do you guys help with steering them to certain providers or cost-efficient providers? We do, and we have a couple of ways to do that. Obviously, the simplest and the first way that we always do is to make sure the provider's in-network. And a lot of times, doctors are making referrals to whoever they're comfortable with um, and not who's not always necessarily in their network. So um, it's a great opportunity for us to, you know, if a doctor wants to make a referral, it's a great opportunity for us to make sure that the doctor is referring in-network. And if the member is calling us for, you know, help finding a provider, it's a great opportunity for us to make sure that they find one uh, that's in the network as well. So that's the a really, really simple and easy place for us to get engaged early in the right. process. And do you guys have any data on, uh, you know, provider costs to be able to, you know, if an employer says, you know, I, when, when you guys get engaged with employees, I want you to, you know, steer to, uh, you know, cost efficient providers. Do you have data to, to help you with that? A lot of times we do. Um, so oftentimes, one of the, the great things about quantum is that you'll see a significant um, increase in the amount of use and utilization of a lot of the point solutions that the companies make available. A lot of times the, the employees don't even know that they actually have Healthcare Blue Book or Castlight available to them, uh, both of which are great tools for, for looking at you know quality and cost of providers. So when a member calls in, not only do we try and make sure they're, that they're going in network, but if that tool is offered by their employer, we'll use it on their behalf um, and let the member know that, hey, you have this tool available to you. Let's go in there together and we'll show you how to use it and we'll use it on your behalf. And we'll find, you know, not only in-network, but also best outcomes and, and best, best price available to you. And even if those tools aren't available, um, we will oftentimes use the free versions of those tools that are available online to mm -hmm. at least kind of point people in the right direction. Got it. So, you, so your people... Your intake specialists, they're trained on 
the employer's you know benefit plan design as well as maybe all of the additional you know third party you know vendors that they might be using whether it's a price transparency tool or or whether it's you know a tool like GoodRx to you know help find more cost effective prescriptions your team would be plugged into that and would be able to help or actually remind the the member that hey you've got these these tools or these resources here for this particular need yeah very much so and in fact one of the things that makes us very unique is that each client has a dedicated pod and a pod is what we call our customer service unit and the pods comprised of about 28 members about two-thirds of which are uh, care coordinators and the other third are are registered nurses that that partner with them for the clinical side of things Mm -hmm. and each pod only manages between one to about seven accounts. So it becomes very easy for our team to get very familiar with the group, and in a lot of cases, very familiar with the people in the group, um, because they're, they're only managing a couple of groups. So it's easy to remember all the benefits that are available. And even before we go live, we actually bring each client back to our corporate office in Columbus, Ohio, and we do what's called a culture training. And that's where the client gets to come in and make sure that our team is really aware of the things that are most important to that client. If you call your, your member associates or your you know or team members or whatever you call your employees we want to call your employees the same thing Um, if you've got benefits that you want to make sure are being promoted we'll have that in our system if you've identified a couple of very cost-effective good outcome hospitals that you'd like us to begin directing people to in certain geographic areas um, let us know and we can do that sort of thing as well so it's a very personalized delivery by a dedicated team that only handles a couple of clients and knows your group really well. Got it. And so I would I would imagine you guys have some some data on um you know what the engagement results are with with any of these third-party programs that are kind of bolted onto a, an employer's benefit program. Um you know when the quantum models in place. Do you have any information on that? We do. Um you know most of the time. So engagement is one of the most loaded terms, I think, out there right now. So we'll define it in a couple of pieces. Um, Specifically for your question with engagement and point solutions, um, I don't have any specific numbers that it's only 3% engagement or 5% engagement, but I have a lot of clients tell me it is only 3 or 5% engagement and very few people are taking advantage of those. With Quantum, because we are pushing these things front and center and we are using the point solutions on behalf of the member, um, we're finding both the clients and the point solutions are telling us that they're getting three to four times the engagement that they used to have um, prior to Quantum. So Castlight just did a study recently and, and literally told us you know, three to four times what they were used to getting when Quantum Health is in place. Um, healthcare blue book, same thing. So a lot of these point solutions are very willing to offer preferred pricing when quantum is involved because they know that they're going to get better engagement and more use of the tool. So I, I, I definitely would expect to see that given the fact that there's so many, I mean, you can put, you can put in place, you know, value added programs with, uh, you know, with any employer, but oftentimes getting the awareness and the participation is really the, the hurdle. And, and as telemedicine is a great example. I mean, it's a great service. I've used it many times. Um, but, you know, we typically see utilization rates that are, you know, 2%, 3%, 4%. So, I mean, that seems like it would be the perfect example of something that could be, um, you know, promoted, you know, uh, when there's an employee interaction. 
Telemedicine is actually one of my favorite examples because how often do we have a member calling in, unable to you know get an appointment at their doctor's office, trying desperately not to have to go to the ER for something that's urgent, and either asking us where they can find an urgent care facility, um, or if it's after hours, a lot of times you know that's a great opportunity for us to suggest, hey, if you're not feeling that well, and or it's after hours, did you know that you have teledoc available or doctors on demand available? And um, so it's a great opportunity for us to push it front and center and make sure that people are using it. We actually, we love telemedicine and we promote it all the time. It's great for people who are too sick to drive, can't drive, after hours, uh, just for a hundred different reasons. So um, that's something that we promote very hard when, whenever it's available. Got it. Going back to the employee engagement, which is, which is a loaded sort of question because you can look at it a number of different ways. Um, when, when quantum is in place, um, you know, how do you define engagement with your clients? How do you, how do you define it? How do you measure it? And, and what are you, what rates of engagement are you seeing? That's a great question. So let's break it into a couple of pieces. Um, it's funny, the, the generally accepted definition of engagement is kind of the emotional commitment to the organization. But in our benefits world, we have to break it down a little bit further and it becomes engagement with benefits and engagement in the clinical programs that are available as well. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I like to kind of refine that definition of engagement almost to more of a definition of participation and awareness. Yes. And so when we start looking at that, um, we'll use kind of the traditional just benefits and carrier engagement model as a benchmark. And one of the things that a lot of clients tell us when they come on board is, you know, I ask them what kind of engagement they currently have, and it's always five to 10%, whether it's benefits awareness or clinical participation in, you know, whatever disease management program it is. And that seems to be the most common number. I remember when I was at Cigna, if we had 15% engagement and participation in, um, you know, a diabetes program or a high-risk pregnancy program, that was a reason for us to actually do a press release because those are really, really good numbers. Um, so it's it's not at all uncommon to see only 5 or 10% participation or awareness or engagement in either the benefits or the clinical side. Quantum, because we are working so closely with the member, because we are the only phone number on the ID card, um, typically sees as much as 61% engagement um, with the total population of the group. So if you look at, at total households, 61% um, engagement with the population of that group, which is phenomenal compared to the traditional engagement level. And what becomes very interesting is if you dissect that number a little bit further, um, we are touching every one of those people almost five times per year. I think the number is like 4.8 times per year. So let's call it five times per year. Right. So it's not just one, one touch, um, but it's almost five touches per year. And almost half of those are actually with the provider or originated from the provider. So again, because we're working with both the member and the provider, we have two triggers for engagement. And because we're in the very front of the process, People almost have to call us, even for something as simple as a lost ID card or finding a doctor, or a doctor is going to call us just to verify eligibility and benefits. So that begins this whole engagement process, and that's one of the reasons that it's as high as it is, and it goes even higher when you have people with large claims. I think it's almost as high as 100% for really large claims, and we're touching people you know, 30, 40 times per year um, and working very closely with their providers when we do. Sure. And I think that makes sense, especially when you, you guys, when you think about the fact that 
you are the front end for any sort of issue related to a medical claim or a prescription drug claim or inquiry of any sort, um, because they're not necessarily calling the PBM. They're not calling the TPA. They're calling you guys. That's correct. And that's good for everyone. Um, you yourself have probably sat on on the on a phone tree trying to hit the right prompts to get a PBM to actually answer the phone. And uh, so you could take care of something for one of your clients. We do that every day and we've gotten really good at it. And um, and so I think part of the benefit of this is that a member doesn't have to call the TPA for claims. They don't have to call the PBM for pharma. Um, they're calling us and we're managing that entire process for them. And we get a lot of kudos for our follow-up and the fact that even if we don't have an answer, we're calling people back throughout the day to let them know the status as it changes. Got it. And so... I guess I think that's kind of a good transition into, you know, um, you guys have mentioned your your net promoter score um, in some of the marketing materials that we have from you. So do you want to just explain to the audience what a net promoter score is and, and why is that relevant uh, for you guys and in the healthcare space? I love this question and I love that you actually dug into it like that. Um, so the net promoter score has become the most common um, score of customer satisfaction today in consumer America. Um, almost every large company you're going to engage with and, and a lot of smaller ones actually use the net promoter score. And the NPS score is nothing more than a single question asked to someone at the end of their experience. And that question is this, um, how likely on a scale of one to 10 are you to recommend this product or service to a friend or family member? That's it. It's one question, scale of one to 10. Mm -hmm. And um, and based on that, then we're able to aggregate those scores and come up with a, a score that typically, you know, at its simplest form, ranges from zero to 100. By the time you aggregate everything, you're, you know, I rate it on a scale of one to 10 how satisfied I am, and the aggregate scores all go on a scale of zero to 100. Ironically enough, you can have a negative score if enough people rate you kind of at the bottom of, uh, of the satisfaction. Um, but if we look at a scale of zero to 100, um, our health insurance average um, overall is a score of 18. So not very high. On a scale of zero to 100, the insurance industry on the average runs at about 18. Even companies like Humana and Kaiser, who do a really, really good job, are still sc scoring kind of in the, in the range of 40 or so. Um, as you move into really popular consumer services companies, you know, Netflix, Google, um, some of your big hotel chains like Weston, then you start hitting scores of 50, 60, even Amazon, and I am a huge Amazon Prime fan, um, even Amazon scores a, has a score of about 62. Apple scores at about 75, and Quantum Health is right there at the top of the list as well, um, with a score of 73. So very, very high in uh, in the NPS score. And this is a really, really accurate way of judging consumer satisfaction. Right. So so for an employer considering, um, you know, any additional service for that that might impact their members, you know, the net promoter score is probably a good metric to, you know, determine whether or not a company is is providing good customer service. It is. And you can, if you Google it, you'll find net promoter scores for, you know, most of the carriers and a lot of the, the point solutions and a lot of the ancillaries like us. So that data is out there and, and definitely encourage you to use it, you know, the same way anybody's going to read the ratings on a product that they're going to buy on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as we, as we talk through the, the quantum health um, service, you know, it's, it's, you know, fairly easy for me to see how this would 
really benefit an employee because, you know, you guys are, are really trying to be the easy button, right? Trying to, you know, make it easy uh, for them and, and help them navigate the process. So other than a better experience for employees, is there a financial benefit for an employer that partners with Quantum Health? There is. There's a tremendous financial benefit. Um, and it is a factor of, as one of my teammates like to say, all the good stuff goes up and the bad things go down. So um, there's a tremendous financial benefit that that comes out of having better engagement, having more people choosing primary care physicians, having more people using primary care instead of going to urgent care, uh, cutting down on readmissions, cutting down on on the length of inpatient stays and that sort of thing. And all of that will translate to a very, very low trend um, for your medical and Rx. So I'll give you an example. Um, over the last few years, if you look at uh, whether it's the S&P index or Aon Hewitt or the, the Willis Towers Watson numbers, most of the industry is kind of run at four to five percent, um, you know, combo medical and RX trend. Quantum during that same period um, was running at 0.2 percent per year. So just over flat. So if you look at that over a three-year compound annual growth rate, four to five percent turns into, you know, 15 percent trend increase over three years. The mm -hmm. quantum increase is, you know, at about 0.6% trend increase over three years. Um, so much, much lower. And in fact, I just saw a stat this morning that our numbers between 2001 and 2015 um, averaged 2.2% trend year over year um, for that 14-year period. So think about that for a second. 14 years ago, we were back in the days of 8, 10, 12% trend. Mm -hmm. um, and even factoring that in, Quantum has a 14-year compound annual growth rate trend of 2.2% over the course of the last 14 years. So you can see this is really, really consistent. And this is all actuarially validated. Uh, we use one of the groups from Milliman to do a third-party validation every year. And we're getting the same consistent results every year. Really low trend um, and significantly lower than what the average trend is. And that tends to translate to an 8 to 9% reduction in your claims over where they would have been without quantum for the following year. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I mean... Anybody who, you know, like me, if you're visual, you know, if you if you look at, you know, you said on average, you know, four to five percent, you know, I, I tend to see, you know, higher trend in the marketplace than that, you know, combined with medical and RX. Definitely going up next year for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, compounded, even if even if you're sitting at, let's just say it's six or seven, right, you know, compounded over multiple years. You know, then you compare a compounded trend of of two percent. That's a huge delta. And, and that's savings to an employer and that's, you know, less, you know, less uh, dollar increases in payroll deductions for the people who are contributing for their health care. So uh, I think that's a pretty I think that's a pretty good result. Yeah, Eva, a good rule of thumb um, during that that last three year period we were talking about our average gross savings for the first year was seven hundred and twenty three dollars per employee per year. Obviously, fees are a factor in that and everything. But um, but even after fees it's still pretty easy and easy, even for a relatively small group to save a million dollars and add that right back to the bottom line. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about fees in a second, but before we get there, um, you know, in your model, you're really taking over a portion of a TPA or an ASO carrier's service. So I would imagine that not all TPAs, um, are willing to work with you guys. Would that be a correct assumption? 
You know, the TPAs tend to be a little bit more flexible and they work on the model of we'd rather have, you know, 100% of something than 100% of nothing. Um, the carriers, on the other hand, are very, very resistant. In fact, one of your questions that uh, that I'd seen on an earlier podcast was, what are the obstacles to making this happen? And the biggest obstacle is um, is the carriers saying, hey, we do the same thing, so stay with us, push the easy button, it's already integrated. And it's not until the second year after a client sees that, you know, maybe they're not getting the results that they're looking for, that they, they move into this model. So then the second part of that obstacle is they need to convince their carrier to let uh, let us carve out the member services and all of the clinical services, including everything from pre-auth all the way up to disease management and UR. Um, that is always a spirited discussion, <laughs> um, especially the first time around with a carrier. What eventually yep. happens, though, is that um, most of the carriers these days have a, a more flexible claims-paying platform. They've bought TPAs in the past. And uh, so they have a more flexible claims paying platform than their traditional ASO platform. And so most of the time they're, they're, they're becoming more and more willing to carve off member services and clinical services to Quantum. Um, if it's Aetna, then they'll use their Maritane TPA. Sure. Um, Aetna will provide the network. Maritane provides claims payment. Quantum provides member services and clinical services. Same thing goes with United and UMR. We have tons of business with both of them. Um, we've got a fair amount of business coming on, on the board with Anthem these days through uh, partnership with Ameriben. So once it looks like, you know, for an for a enforced carrier, if it looks like there's an opportunity to lose the business over something like this, if the client really wants Quantum, then it's a pretty easy decision to move to their more flexible claims paying platform with their TPA. Um, if they're not the enforced carrier, they're trying to win, then everybody's totally into this model and they'll slice it and dice it any way that, uh, that we want them to in order to win that business. So, um, but at the end of the day, it is an unbundled approach. That's the one thing that in any meeting, we always kind of stop and take a temperature check and make sure everybody's comfortable with that um, because it is going to be unbundled from the traditional, you know, everything in one box ASO model to, yep. as you were saying earlier, you're going to have a separate TPA, separate carrier, separate PBM. Well, I, I think that's a good, that's a good point to discuss. You know, the, the unbundled approach I think is the, the way of the future. Um, but you know, the, the ASO carriers, um, you know, they will sell all day long that bundled is better, you know, bundle, bundle the PBM, bundle our disease management. And, you know, I would, I would encourage all of our, our listeners who are, you know, who've joined us for this conversation. You got to question, you got to question that, that alternative and that option, because if the bundled approach was so great, you know, wouldn't we be getting better results? Yeah, I would concur. One of the questions we always encourage people to ask is, start peeling back the layers of the onion. Get as much of the reporting that you can. Find out what the real engagement numbers are and, and really question what the engagement is. Um, for example, in our model, engagement is a two-way conversation. So that 61% engagement that I that I told you about earlier, that was a two-way conversation. It might have been via, via chat, but it was still a two-way conversation um, with interaction happening on both sides. Um, because a lot of times, the historical definition of engagement oftentimes included things like, hey, we sent a postcard or we left a voicemail or we shipped an email. And those are all kind of 
one directional and don't always have a response back. So challenge what engagement really means. Get as much reporting as you can. Um, see if you can identify the places where they're moving the needle. Um, is it on the acute claims? Is it on the chronic claims? What types of chronic claims? And, uh, and all of that should give you a pretty good feeling for whether or not you're getting um, as much out of the system as you should. For sure. So <clears throat> let's talk about cost for a second. So for, for an employer that's interested um, in sort of an unbundled approach, you know, what's the cost for an employer to sign up with Quantum? You know, the good news on this is that it winds up being pretty cost neutral um, because you're taking fees uh, that you were paying to an ASO carrier or a TPA and now simply paying them to Quantum. So at the end of the day, your fixed costs wind up being pretty comparable to what they would have been. Um, if it's an enforced carrier, they're probably less likely to reduce those fees than they would if they were trying to win the business. So it may be, you know, net plus a little bit. Um, but for the most part, we are seeing it being kind of a wash on the fixed costs. And uh, when we're pricing the group, we, we price on a PM, PM basis. Uh, every group's kind of underwritten on its own merits. So, you know, size, complexity, and that sort of thing. So you wind up with kind of a range of fees, but it'll wind up being pretty comparable to what they're paying now on a fixed basis. Got it. So who, who do you think this is a good fit for? And, and you know, who's this not a good fit for? Are there any you know, size, product, or, or funding limitations? You know, um, interestingly enough, it's not the ones you would think. Um, when I first came on board, I was like, I was looking for, okay, what are our best industries? Where are we focused? You know, uh, I'm all about the solutions, the industry solution sale. And ironically, we have companies and clients in literally every industry out there. So we started looking at what they all have in common, and it wasn't necessarily the industry. It was more kind of their state of mind around their benefits. Um, so a lot of our clients are people who have done their best to move the needle and they've gone as far as they can. They've cost shifted to their employees. They've made benefits changes. They've added point solutions. They've got second opinion and transparency and good RX in place. And they've kind of gone as far as they can and now they're stuck and they just, they aren't able to get any more cost savings out of it. That is a really good prospect for quantum health. Other prospects that tend to be great prospects for us are um, groups that are really committed to the employee experience. Um, they're very paternalistic organizations. They want to have a great experience. They want great outcomes. They want participation. Um, and they are oftentimes, you know, best places to work um, in whatever their respective markets are. Got it. Got it. So now I was about to say the, the, you guys are not the, the only company kind of operating in this space. So if, if you had to, you know, single out a couple points about, you know, what makes you guys different um, than your competitors, you know, what would you say? So um, the biggest single difference between us and any of our competitors is really the fact that not only are we on the front end um, and we're handling member services, but the thing that we are the only uh, solution that does is work with the providers. We're the only solution that has the providers calling us first. We're the only solution that's actually doing all of the pre-auth utilization review, disease management, uh, high-risk pregnancies. Um, and that's really the, the primary difference between us and most of the other systems. Plus, we are solely focused on doing on what we're doing. We're not a TPA. We're not an insurance company. This is all we do 24-7. Got it. Love it. So, um, Worth, is there anything... Um, that uh, you're just you're really excited about right now in the business any improvements or enhancements that you guys are working on that you want to share with the audience 
Yeah, we uh, there's a couple of things that I'm I'm really excited about, and these all tie into my own personal experience, which I think is kind of what life is all about, right? You find things that that are related to you, and and we've all been through that unchosen healthcare journey, oftentimes without a whole lot of support. So one of the things I'm most most excited about is um, is we actually now have an individual subscription model of Quantum Health that we call Care Partners, and Care Partners is a great fit. Um, for people who may have, you know, parents, they're taking care of parents who are on Medicare plans. Uh, they may have dependents who are disabled and they're really struggling with the system. Uh, they may be just a regular garden variety person who doesn't have quantum offered through their company. Um, in mm-hmm. my case, it would have been really, really nice. You know, my mom was a VP of HR and I have 25 years in benefits and we still got pretty beat up by the system when my mom was real sick. And um, so, it's a great tool for just the regular person going through life who who needs some extra help being guided through that system. Uh, and that's, again, called Care Partners. And it's available as an individual subscription model. And we're also offering it um, to a lot of our customers on a voluntary basis, as well as an employer paid basis. Interesting. So, so that would be something that's available to the individual consumer, um, as well as maybe an employer who you know, maybe they're they're just fully insured, but they want to offer an additional layer of support to their employees. Yes, absolutely. Got it. Fantastic. I love it. Um, well, I think we're we're getting close to you know our uh, allotted time here, so I want to be respectful of that. Um, it, Worth, if there's one question that I should have asked you but I didn't, what would it be? You know, we um, we started to touch on it a little bit, um, but one of the the biggest trends we're, we're seeing for 2017 here is, um, you know, and the, the question would be, what trends are we seeing in the marketplace for 2017? And yeah. there was a U.S. News and World Report article last fall that came out uh, with five benefits trends for 2017, and the number one trend was more help navigating the healthcare system, Absolutely. which I thought was really, really interesting and a great way of kind of tying it all together. And if you were to kind of dig into that a little bit, I think that navigation is really going to have to be built on rebuilding um, the trust of the consumer. It's going to have to be built on a more meaningful engagement model. Uh, for us, meaningful engagement really comes down to that two-way conversation as well as making sure that that conversation is relevant, topical, and personalized for that member at that particular moment, and most importantly, actually has a call to action to it as well. So I think that if we can begin rebuilding consumer trust, we can engage in a more meaningful way, um, and all of this is kind of based on a, on a platform of compassion and empathy and meeting people where they're at in the way that they need you, how they need you at that moment, um, then I think we've got a, a pretty great future ahead for all of us and, and the opportunity to really kind of rebuild um, the, the current system that we have that definitely needs some some love and attention. Well, well, what what a novelty, you know, an actual, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, focus on the consumer in, in healthcare and health insurance. You know, it's 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 encouraging to see, you know, what you guys are doing in the marketplace as well as, you know, some other, you know, companies out there who, you know, have figured out that, you know, for too long, you know, we've been focused on just the product and, you know, the insurance and, and really, you know, what needs to happen is we just need to make it easy for people. We do. And that is what Quantum Health is all about. Very good. So, worth <clears throat> how can people, you know, uh, interested in your product and service, you know, how do they learn more about Quantum Health and, and how do they get in touch with you guys? So you can go to quantumhealth.com 
And um, that is a, a great start. If you are looking for um, reaching out and connecting with uh, with a sales rep in your geographic region, I manage the Western region, but happy to redirect so people can call me. If it's okay with you, I'll give my personal phone number and email address. Sure. Um, otherwise, through the website and our corporate office is a great way to go too. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, so my number, if uh, if anybody needs to call me and I can direct them to the right place, my number is 949-887-7173. Again, 949-887-7173. And you can email me at worth.houghton at quantumhealth.com. That's right. So so people that are interested in getting in touch with Quantum, learning more, we'll have it posted, uh, contact notes or contact and uh, website information posted in the show notes. Um, well, Worth, with that, this is... This was an awesome conversation. Um, really appreciate you you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me on board. I really enjoyed the conversation. And any day we get to geek out on benefits is always a good day for me. So thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. So uh, to our listeners, we, we really hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you like what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Quantum's website and contact information. Lastly, we welcome your feedback on the content interviews we're bringing to you on this show. Please do leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher and let us know what you think. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.